Hello and welcome, Friartown. Today is December 1st, and today we will be joined by Senior Associate Athletic Director of PC Athletics, Steve Napolillo. But before we get there, I'm going to recap the first two games of PC's young 2020 season. And as always, I am Billy Ritchie, and this is the Friar Podcast. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Friar Podcast. This is episode two. And before we get into today's episode, would first like to thank our guest on episode one and all the amazing feedback we got from the Friar community. John Rook, PC play-by-play announcer, thank you so much for being our first guest. And make sure to check him out on his weekly blog, Thinking Out Loud on WEI.com, as well as his post-game and pre-game coverage with Joe Hassett. Absolutely incredible work that they do and would just like everybody to check them out as we go into the season here. So of course, I have to plug our social media as well before we start our episode. Please follow us at the Friar Podcast on Instagram, at the Friar Podcast on Twitter, and subscribe. And if you like us, please leave a review, five stars preferably if you're feeling lucky or if you're feeling generous, on Apple. So we can move up the Steve Jobs rankings and be accessible to all Friar listeners out there. Again, I just want to shout out our community and how amazing everybody's been. We've heard from the likes of FriarBasketball.com, as well as the Morning Hangover, and the Friar Fam account sent us a nice tweet back during game day when we played Fairfield. So just want to shout out those three accounts and how amazing they've been. And I can honestly say that our community is like no other. It's extremely unique and the passion is always there. And we appreciate the feedback we've gotten and you know the vow of confidence. And we're ready to produce some high quality content. Shout out again, producer Mike. He's absolutely incredible at making me sound better than I actually am. Um, so would like to shout out Mike there as well and the work he's done to make us a very legitimate podcast from day one. So we just want to wish everybody also that they had a, a happy and safe Thanksgiving and they spent time with those important to them during these times. Obviously, you know, things have been sort of tough in the state of Rhode Island for COVID. So we want to give our best to all those out there and uh, we hope everybody is safe and well as we head into the other half of the holiday season. But before we get into our interview with Steve Knapp, who I'm sure you're all excited to hear from today, as he's certainly the guy that you know running around the dunk on game days, and he just breeds everything that is Friar Athletics as well as Friar Basketball. So before we get to our very esteemed guest today, would just like to kind of cover the first two games of PC season so far. And obviously they had different results and I'm recording here tonight on 1130. Uh, so this is going to be my raw reaction to what happened in game two of the season. But let's start with game one and let's first talk about Alumni Hall. Did, did anybody notice the lines on the court? I was actually watching the game and I got a call from my girlfriend and she said, hey, do you see all these lines on the court it's kind of it's kind of throwing me off and to be honest with you I didn't really notice it until she mentioned it and uh it, it, it actually did bother me for the rest of the game so I'm, I'm not sure if they're volleyball lines or you know what their purpose are but that's something of interest to note um as we play games as we continue to play games in alumni hall and I'm not sure if playing in a smaller arena made us look more or less like a big east program or if it was better for tv the jury's out on that and we will tell if we'll enjoy watching games on TV from Alumni Hall, but in terms of the camera angle and and the feel, it looked fine. So excited to see what that setup looks like, and hopefully next week I'll be able to see my cardboard cutout because I was unable to last week. So unfortunately, uh, I didn't see my face on TV, and I was quite upset for about two minutes, and then I got over it. So, um, but, But getting into game number one of the season here, obviously we're playing an opponent that, frankly, we should beat. So the Fairfield Stags, former Ed Cooley coach team, come into the Alumni Hall and face a very deep Providence team with a lot to prove after last season's 
unfortunate early exit under no one's control. So the first thing we noticed was that Nate Watson, as we tweeted, is good. Nate Watson is good, and the kid guarding him was probably reconsidering classifying for D1 after the game because Nate Nate went off. He had a double double, and he he looked incredible. His, his his ability to catch and turn with his right hand is is great. He has great instinct once he gets to the basket and can finish with nice touch. And it was just great to see him out there having fun. And he he was quoted after the game as you know he was just excited to play basketball and be back out there. And he looked healthy. He looked like he was having fun. And obviously against inferior competition, so you take it with a grain of salt. But it was just great to see him out there having fun and doing well on both the offensive and defensive ends. So this then leads me to a point of when Nate Watson gets the ball down low, obviously, you know, he's ready to turn and shoot. But one thing I want to see out of these 2020-2021 Friars is some inside-out passing rather than dribbling. I think that guy for us this year could be Noah Horkler. He seems like he wants to play that inside-out brand of basketball and has a decent shot from from what we saw briefly in the first two games. So in no way am I comparing him to Ben Bentel in terms of production, but I'm excited to see what he can provide us in terms of inside-out game and the ability to, to score as PC teams historically have been under Ed Cooley have been well defensively, but sometimes can struggle offensively. So excited to see what Noah Horkler can provide us on that front. Of course, we wouldn't be talking about Friar basketball without early foul trouble. Chris Dunn, of course, we all know was was unfortunately um, a culprit of getting in early foul trouble. You know, he was always aggressive, trying to go for that steal and being, you know, a great on-ball defender, but would sometimes lead him to the bench. And unfortunately, that's where David Duke started out in game one of the season. So I'm going to hope that David Duke learns from Chris Dunn and doesn't get into early foul trouble as that is going to accomplish nothing. So definitely was disappointed to see that to start, but he was able to rebound and have a good game. In terms of mixing and matching lineups, I noticed a couple of things from some of the new um, the new members of the team. Let's talk about the different players that came in and out of the lineups. One of the things I noticed immediately was Alan Breed's athleticism. Alan Breed, you know, I don't know what he's going to provide us with this deep team as we continue to cut down the lineup, but definitely see a future for him being athletic and being a great combo guard for us, being able to both take the ball up and shoot effectively. So was excited from the little bit I saw of him. And in terms of Ed Croswell, that uh, that is a large man, ladies and gentlemen, and he has some good moves when he gets his back to the basket. Like he can he can definitely finish around the rim at a high clip and excited for him to lead our second unit in you know, offensive efficiency, hopefully, and, and getting some easy shots around the basket and rebounding as well. And Let's talk about the other A-10 transfer as well, Jared Bynum. Obviously, he looked a little shaky to start, but that's perfectly okay considering that we were coming off a long layoff and he didn't play in any games last year. What I think his role is going to be with this team is to be a glue guy. How's Junior LaMamba sound for a comparison? You know, we're not going to rely on him too much to score when we have a big three set up already and David Duke, A.J. Reeves, Nate Watson. We can rely on him in the starting lineup, hopefully to be an effective passer, a ball handler opposite David Duke, and to be a glue guy just to make those key plays that you need to win games and, and to sacrifice his stats for the better of the team. So he was shaky at times during game one. I have hope for him in terms of being a glue guy for this team and providing those winning plays in which we're going to need to go far in the Big East and hopefully the NCAA tournament. And then we go to Chris Monroe. Chris Monroe, welcome to Providence Friar Basketball. You looked great, had eight points, and he could be that shooter off the bench that we need and could lead to him getting more minutes over some of the forwards that we have on the bench. So excited to see what Chris Monroe can provide through the season. This is, of course, talking about game one. We didn't really see too much from him in game two, but at the end of the day, Chris Monroe, we're excited to have you, and I'm excited to see you hit a lot of threes. So let's let's see those threes. In terms of our depth, guys, of course it's a blessing and a curse. You got to keep kids in college happy, and you got to make sure the playing time is there. So I don't envy Ed in terms of like 
what John Rook said of trying to keep everybody happy um, and, and making sure everybody gets considerable playing time. But in terms of our depth, especially in a year like this where it's super unpredictable, I like our depth and I, you know, I, I like the ability to throw some different lineups out there and potentially even play some zone with some longer guys and the ability to hopefully rebound, which we didn't do too much of today during our game against Indiana. So what's going to be the identity of the 2020-21 Friars? Probably has to begin and end with our big three of Nate Watson, A.J. Reeves, and David Duke, which is the perfect combo of point guard, shooting guard, and forward slash center. So looking back at game one, I think it told us that we're going to have depth, we're going to have a big three identity, that we need to be patient with this team. Unfortunately, as we go into game two, we learn that as well, the hard way. But we're going to have more depth than we've had in years past. And we have some primetime players who, if they can play well on a consistent basis or on a nightly basis, we should be exactly where we were projected to be picked in the Big East. Now, getting to game two, ESPN2. When we play games on ESPN, I get nervous. I remember watching a Marquette PC game with one of my best friends who went to Marquette, shut up, Brian. And the announcer immediately called out Ray Hall for playing basketball at PC for like eight years. And we just, we were both laughing, thinking to ourselves, he's absolutely right. And I remember we got absolutely smashed by Marquette in that game. And it seems like when we play on ESPN, that it doesn't seem to go well a lot of the time for us. So I always get a little bit of, ner- I always get a little bit of nerves when we play games on ESPN. And let's talk about Bill Walton. Bill Walton had some crazy facts about PC that I frankly didn't know. And I'm curious if you listeners out there know these to be true. First, he said that we were the only D1 team to wear black and white as our uniforms. I honestly have no idea if that's true. And I know there are a lot of people out there who are questioning that as well. And that we're also the smallest D1 school to be in power competition. I have no idea if that's correct as well. Is St. Mary's a smaller school than us? Is, Is there some school in the Midwest that I've never heard of that could be smaller than us? I don't know. But that was a pretty wild stat to throw out there as well. And then he did shout out our public and community service major, which I thought was pretty cool that we are the only school in the country to have that major. And that he was texting Kevin Stakem the other night, which is also pretty cool. Nice little friar throwback and gave love to Marvin Barnes and Ernie D and Jimmy Walker. Unfortunately, the game was not as colorful as Bill Walton's commentary. Did anybody feel like we were the inferior team about three minutes into the game? I think it was safe to say when the pressure came, we kind of caved in our in a, on our identity really quick. And I, I kind of lost that big three balanced offense, defensive intensity type of team pretty early on in the game because we came out flat-footed. And we noticed this in the second half especially, or at least I did, when we started to attack the basket and things started to come together a little bit more. But by then, it was a little too late, unfortunately, to stop Indiana because every time we would get a bucket, we were down a considerable margin and we couldn't claw our way back. So First, would like to shout out the Indiana defense. They played extremely well. They played as a unit, and they played tough, and they didn't allow us anything. But at the end of the day, when we're dribbling into, into coverage and stopping and passing the ball out, that's not going to win you games, especially in the Big East when things get tougher. So what we noticed that Ed was doing was he was starting to sub in different lineups, but do it quickly, like bring in Alan Breed, quickly sub him out. Bring in Ed Croswell, quickly sub him out. Jimmy Nichols as well. It was nice to see him make his debut, unfortunately. Um, didn't lead to the best stat line, but it was nice to see him make a debut for the Friars in 2020-2021. And there were a lot of considerable themes that we're used to in Friartown. We shot 18% from three. Unfortunately, I don't think we set up the best plays sometimes for three-point consistency. We shot 63% from the line. These are, of course, things that, as you probably know from being a dedicated Loyal Friar fan, that we have to deal with year after year since we've unfortunately uh, lost the likes of Bryce Cotton, who was a 90% from the line, and he was pretty good from three as well. So my question for all of you out there is, why do we always make everything harder for us or harder for ourselves on offense? 
I think back in this game to when Greg Gant got blocked early on from the top of the key. He had an off-balance shot uh, to end the shot clock. And Noah Horkler's turnaround shot that went off the side of the backboard. And even the same thing happened to David Duke. It's like, why do why do we end up in these situations? And and to throw out a couple stats from the game, we got out-rebounded. And I thought with our size that we would be fine in that category. We were out-assisted as well. So we weren't running the, the most effective plays or the best ways to create offense. And we had more turnovers as well. So we didn't win any of those battles. And it really got me thinking of like how we end up in these situations. And unfortunately, I think we got a little starstruck of playing Indiana and, and we kind of let them assert themselves and kind of establish themselves as the dominant brand early on in the game, even before the game was out of reach or, you know, we, we, we just seemed to kind of give them the opportunities to put themselves in a position to win. And they were taking shots that looked fairly easy and was able, they were able to get open looks, whereas we were not able to. And unfortunately we couldn't get some of our best guys going because you know, the passing wasn't crisp and we didn't really have too much space. It seemed like we were log jammed in the middle. And there was a lot of, like I said, dribbling, attacking and stopping. It was like we would run into the defense and we would just immediately stop. And that was the end of the play. So obviously game two, if you saw the score, didn't go our way. And the commentary from Bill Walton, I don't know if it made it better or worse. I think it probably served as a cushion because maybe we would have felt a little bit worse um, after the game if he, if he didn't distract us with his uh, lovely commentary on Asheville, North Carolina and um, Smoky Mountains. But in terms of this game, I think you know we ran into a team who's going to be pretty good, and we still don't know what our rotations are going to be, but we do know one thing, and, and we know that the offense has to come from a couple guys. And what I'm looking for as we go into Davidson at 7 p.m. is I'm looking for the offense to run a little bit more through A.J. Reeves and have him run the baseline, make some cuts, and get open. It, it seems like where we get into trouble is when we start passing the ball up at the top of the key and we don't move and we stay stagnant. So I'd love to see some guys run the baseline to get open Chris Monroe as well. And we'd love to see AJ dribble a little bit more, get to the basket, see what he can do as a slasher. You see it in his pickup games over the summer that he can dribble and he can get to the, and he can get to the hole. So hoping that we can see a little bit more creativity from AJ Reeves. Like I mentioned, more spacing for Nate Watson down low. He loves to go to that. He loves to go to that right. Let's get him some spacing down low. Same on the second unit for Ed Croswell. Space it out a little bit more. You know, when you run the down screens on the flex, it can kind of get log jammed there. So we'd love to see more spacing for those guys. And setting screens for David Duke up top to get him going. Running a little pick and roll with Nate Watson. Trying to Nate Watson could dunk on anybody. So let's 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 hope to see some different creative abilities to get our big three going in this next game. And did anybody notice that our screens weren't really that hard, kind of coming through the flex and just letting some guys, you know, get get to the, you know get to the defensive spots and, and stop us from gaining momentum as we're either trying to get to the basket or get an open shot? Would love to see some harder screens. Um, I, I think, like I said to start, that we just kind of came out a little bit uninspired and we were able to bring it back and we were definitely able to get to the basket more in the second half. But by then it was too late, and we'd just love to see this team step up to a team tomorrow who played Texas well, Indiana at one point in the game was outplaying us defensively and, and out gritting us, which is something that we always hang our hat on that. We're always going to be a gritty, effective defensive squad. And we're always going to be long. And we're going to get after people, but they did that to us today. And, and unfortunately, obviously it, uh, it, it led to a score that we, uh, we weren't happy with, but as I mentioned previously, I think again, Jared Bynum could be a glue guy for this team. And I also think that Noah Horkler can, you know, as the other transfer can provide some scoring. We just have to kind of learn how to set him up and how he likes to create his own shot. Because at one point we weren't really able to create our own shot for anybody. And then it turned into AJ and David feeling like they had to force it. And then 
they led to our, our, our demise, unfortunately. So I'm excited to see, again, what more of a balanced attack can look like for these Friars this year. And getting some of the transfers involved is, I think, they're going to be really key to our success this year. And relying on our, our star players who should be able to consistently play at a high clip every night. They have experience in the Big East. They have experience in big games. This is their time to step up and excited to see where we can take it in this young season. So there's no need to panic. I'm sure there's a lot of you texting your friends and saying, oh my God, like this is classic. You know, we came out, we're shooting 18% from three and, you know, we're, we're, we're down early. And, you know, there was a point, I think about three minutes in where we were all looking to the person next to us or texting somebody and saying, you know, this is, this is classic, you know, unfortunately we're not going to be able to, uh, you know, come back in this game already. And, you know, we're not even in the second half yet. So let's pump the brakes a little bit. Let's give this team a chance. Obviously we know what happened last year after some early losses, but not really going to get the same opportunity to bounce back as much with less games. So uh, tomorrow night will be a big one and we'll need everybody tuned in for it. So 7 PM versus Davidson. And now everybody would like to get to the very anticipated second interview here on the Friar podcast. This gentleman needs no introduction as well as our first guest. He is the guy who's always running around Friartown. You've probably seen him at the Dunk a million times. You've probably seen him at one of the finer Rhode Island restaurants. He made his way out of Cranston, and as an Italian-American man, I can I can say that that's sometimes not easy. You know, I'm currently uh, home for the holidays myself, so I'm living out my dream of being a 28-year-old who lives with his parents. This is, this is something that I looked forward to when I was younger, and would just like to shout out all the amazing things he's done for Friartown. He's going to talk about them, especially on the charitable front. And, you know, I, I consider him a great friend, and I'm glad to have him as our second guest on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, Steve Napolillo, Senior Associate AD of PC Athletics. All right, everyone, and welcome to the second episode and the guest portion of the Friar Podcast. I am Billy Ritchie. I am your host. And today I am joined by an absolute Friar legend. This man probably gets up from his table at Twin Oaks more than I, and I can't say there are too many people who do that when they're out to eat, but this man knows probably all of Rhode Island. And when I think of Friar Town, he's certainly one of the first people I think of, and I couldn't be more grateful for our friendship and all that he's done for Friar Town through the years. Senior Associate Athletic Director of Providence College, Stephen Napolillo. Welcome to the podcast. Wow, good man, Billy. I just, you're definitely in the running to be my agent after that introduction. I love you. Happy Thanksgiving, my friend. Always willing to help a great friar. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, obviously a lot of things have changed here in Friartown, Nap, but, you know, there's been a lot of great things that we want to talk about. But even before we get into, you know, the happenings in Friartown currently, I'm dying to know, what is your favorite Rhode Island Italian restaurant? It, it doesn't even have to be Italian. What's your favorite Rhode Island restaurant? You know, Billy, I got to be honest with you. I, I've gotten close with uh, Chris Taro from Siena. And, um, you know, there's one in Providence and running right near my house down in North Kingstown. So they have my heart. You know, Capitol Grill is a great sponsor of Providence College. So I've never had a bad meal at Capitol Grill. So I got to give them some love. But um, Chris Taro and his brothers do an amazing job at Siena. The meatball appetizer, Billy can always make a bad day a good day. You know, I'm a big fan of Sienna myself. My mom grew I don't even know if you know this. My mom grew up in Federal Hill, so I have my opinions on the uh, on the Federal Hill spots. Nice. And, you know, I, I was waiting for this to turn into a battle of Eastern Cranston versus Twin Oaks and Marchetti's, but we can save that for another episode. I love it. I love it. I, I've, I've kind of, you know, my parents still live in Cranston, Billy, but it was, um, I married a girl from Cranston. We didn't meet there, but I had one rule. We could never live in Cranston, Billy. Is it? That would be way too Rhode Island. I had to break it. Um, we bought a house in North Kingstown and my mother thinks it's a day trip to go from Cranston to North Kingstown. So we keep that 
we keep that nice and close to the Rhode Island roots. It, it's it's a real thing. Twenty minutes, <laughs> a twenty minute drive is a real thing for Rhode Islanders, ladies and gentlemen. Don't don't doubt the twenty minutes on two ninety five. Oh yeah, my mother packs, uh, you know, food, drink, you know, an extra pair of clothes. She doesn't know what's going to happen on that long ride to North Kingstown. Yeah, it, it's definitely a Sebastian Maniscalco uh, skit that we can both appreciate. Hey, Amen. So so Nap, going into PC here, let's let's go on the lighter side. You've been with the Friars for a long time in the athletics department, and I'd just be curious to know what's your favorite PC basketball memory of all time? You know, Billy, I have so many. It's it, it's kind of funny in the sense of um, you know, when I look at my my favorite one is actually as a kid when my father took me to my first game, you know, and it was funny, it was uh PC versus the Miami Hurricanes. People probably don't even remember the Hurricanes were part of the Big East conference back then. Mm-hmm. And I, we sat right in the what what are the student seats now, and I was just addicted from the first second. And you know, from it's funny how life works, Billy, because I go from that moment as a kid with my pops going a game and just falling in love. And it was the it was the time when Billy Donovan was there. I was young. I was eight years old. And, um, you know, to go forward now is people always ask me, what's the greatest part of the job is the greatest part is I get to meet so many amazing, generous people who are so passionate about Friartown, but nothing brings me more joy now than seeing my pops and my kids up in the stands at a game and enjoying uh, what I think is one of the greatest things in the country and in all of Rhode Island is, you know, Friar games. It's something that I think, you know, this pandemic, Billy, also is going to make us realize even more how special it was when it's taken away from us. Um, so I, I'm really looking forward. It's what keeps me going every day is the day we're back together in Dunk, in Alumni Hall, at Schneider, um, at Anderson Stadium, getting to enjoy our Friars play and all the different sports. Absolutely. And I remember my first game with my dad, same thing. Old Big East, you know, Dunk was rocking. I think it, I think it was against UConn. It might have been against Marquette, but it's, it's just something where in Rhode Island you grow up, we don't have professional sports it's our professional sports team. It's our professional brand of sports in the state. I know my dad definitely got the tickets for free, Billy. That's why it was Miami Hurricane. <laughs> so people always say it wasn't Villanova, Georgetown. It was definitely, uh, but uh, no, it's, uh, those are memories you'll uh, live forever. And now that I do it with my son and daughter, and um, um, I hope they have the same feelings and stories uh, when they get to our age. Absolutely. There's, there's nothing like it. And, you know, the whole experience going out to eat before going to the dunk, you know, hanging out afterwards, it's, it's, it's really special and it makes the city the great place we all know it to be. But like I said, Nap, you've been with PC for a long time. I'd love for you to tell our listeners what you do and how things have changed at PC since you've, since you've come on. You know, I've been blessed my whole professional career. You know, I, I uh, when I graduated from PC in 98, I was working for the Tucker Red Sox for two years and I stayed there over a 10-year period and um, a huge baseball fan, Billy, you know, it was my love uh, growing up. I still think I have a chance to play for the Yankees, even though I was terrible. Uh, but, you know, is getting to learn at that organization how to sell, how to galvanize a community, be part of really something special. I always wanted to come back uh, and work at Providence College. And while I was at the Plus Sox, you know, Lou Schweckheimer, uh, who was the GM there for 37 years, fortunately just passed away this summer from COVID. My, he was one of my great mentors. Um, you know, he always taught me that to be successful is you got to be passionate what you want to do. And it's almost like you're not working because you want to be great. You're excited to get up, try new things, galvanize people to enjoy something. And uh, when I came over to Providence, 
you know, Bob Driscoll, uh, I met when Bob was introduced as the athletic director, Billy, I was really excited by his energy. You could tell he had that spirit. You could tell he wanted to do something special. So I just reached out to him out of the blue, said, Bob, you know, loved your press conference, you know, really like your vision. You came from Cal, would love to see you, uh, see us return Providence College to, to success. And it was interesting. I can remember at the time at the Paw Sox, I was doing corporate sales. I was doing selling all the billboards. Like, you know, Billy is, you know, really doing that. And he said, Steve, for PC to really make an improvement, we need great fundraisers. We need to generate revenue to be able to change our landscape, change the facilities, hire great coaches, do things that we don't really have the revenue to do. And I think that's what's been so exciting is when you look at, you know, when we came in in the mid 2000s to now is, you know, under Father Shanley, Bob, the amazing coaches that come in, Billy, to see what our alma mater looks like. You know, I graduated in 98 and back then, it, you know, it, my college roommates come back and they're like, we didn't go here. And that's a good thing, mm-hmm. you know, cause it's been transformed so much, but I, I, I just can tell you is the biggest thing that I always want people to know is it's not, it's not individuals like me. It's the people who make up Friar town who sacrificed and who gave and helped us do so many things to change how PC is, how it's viewed, how we operate and how we are on the national landscape now. And, you know, we're, we're winning national championships in hockey. We're, you know, competing at the highest level and keeping Coach Cooley around. And just our facilities, when I go around the country, Billy, you'd be really proud to know that, you know, we're, we're, we're up there with the best facilities in the country. Yeah, and even from when I was a kid, I feel like walking around campus was it was two separate campuses. You can't, you can't even compare it to what it was then and what it is now. And really happy for all the kids that are over at school. And, you know, I don't even know if they appreciate what has taken place at PC and the transformation that has occurred. Thanks to our awesome donors. Yeah, it really is. And I think it's like anything in life, Billy, when you come into it and don't know what it was, you sometimes don't appreciate it. I think, you know, that's why even for, you know, when I sit down and have great conversations, if you look over my career, I really look at everybody in, in a different light because, you know, as we've had some great times and we've had some really difficult times while I've been at PC Bill, and I learned probably more during those times than I've learned in the great times because, you know, everybody, everybody wants to jump on in the good times. It's the bad times. It's how do you keep people galvanized? How do you, you know, learn from your mistakes how do you make sure that you don't make those mistakes again? And, you know, is I'm 44 now. So what's exciting for me is my professional career. I, I, I love teaching the next generation who's coming in because I hope 15 years down the road, there's, there's somebody who wants to do make take Providence to the next level. And, and that's all you can ask for is continual improvement. And um, I think that's what makes PC special right now. We always want to keep getting better. Absolutely. And I think that's a great segue into our next point is that a lot has changed during the pandemic in, in all sports across college sports, professional sports. How have things changed for PC athletics during the pandemic? And if there are some things you could share about you know, what you guys are working on, we'd love to highlight it here on the show. As a senior associate, I know you asked me, I oversee all the external parts of the athletic department. So if it's ticket marketing, development, um, you know, we have a team, uh, you know, from anything, uh, social media gets together. Obviously, fundraising is the key. The ticket sales is such a huge part of everything that we do. Um, the pandemic has, it's almost like a bad movie, Billy, in the sense I can remember driving home the day they canceled the Big East tournament last March. And Joe Hassett and I were in my car together and we were like, you know, 
And I can vividly remember him saying, he goes, oh, man, imagine if this messes us going up to Maui for the Maui Invitational. And I was like, Joe, come on, that's next November. If that happens, we're going to have a lot bigger problems. And, and Billy, think about Monday, we're supposed to be leaving. We would have been leaving for Maui to play in the best preseason tournament that, you know, we've been trying to get back into for 30 years. So uh, threefold, I think it's taught us to really look at you know, how we look at things and be appreciative. You know, sometimes I think you're moving so fast, Billy, that you don't appreciate the moment. And I think that's what we talk about as teams. Really appreciate the people is when you have an organization like Providence College, you need great people everywhere in order to be successful. I don't care if it's the ticket manager, I don't care if it's the people raising money, the coaches, you know, you need great presidents, John Sweeney, our CFO, Bob Driscoll. There's so many different people who impact the sum of what we're doing. And the last, the key for us is when you look across the national landscape, Billy, is Providence College is blessed to have such passionate, dedicated, loving, and generous alumni, fans, subway people who didn't go to school but just love or diehard Friar fans. Nothing brings me more joy walking in the supermarket and see people with their Friar hats, sweatshirts. I love that. It gets me going and talking about the Friars. I just think as we're working in the pandemic, Billy, is how do you keep everyone engaged and positive? Know that this is eventually going to end without having games and being around each other and people physically being able to be part of what we're doing. Absolutely. And I think you guys did an awesome job. You guys did a virtual event earlier in the summer with Bob Walsh. Um, he, he's great, by the way. He's great on the mic. <laughs> he's a man. I tell him all the time. He, he's missing. He should be doing a, a game show or, you know, a, as a as a commentator, really, really talented guy. No, but you guys have adapted really well. I love the time that you did the work with Jeff Battle as well as Coach Walsh. You did a little backyard video session with Coach Cooley and Bob Driscoll. So love, love all the the content we've been getting during these times. And probably my favorite thing is the cardboard cutouts. I, I've already signed up for mine, and I'm pretty excited about it. So I'm looking forward to seeing my face at Alumni Hall. But you want to talk about uh, you know, the cardboard cutout campaign and how that's gone for you guys? Yeah, we just try to give a unique way for our fans to still be part of the games. You know, for men's and women's basketball and men's and women's ice hockey. I was just down alumni hall for practice, and we started putting them out. And it's uh, it's pretty neat to see the fans that you remember in the stands and get to be part. And you know, obviously, Billy, our challenge is generating revenue. You know, it's no it's no loss from tickets, fundraising, corporate sponsorships. We're we're, we're going to have a significant void that you know, just trying to be creative throughout the year of generating revenue to help our students. At the end of the day, we want to be able to give our kids the best experience in the classroom and on the field of play. And obviously it takes revenue to do that. So this is another area to engage our fans, generate revenue and have some fun. Absolutely. I'm very excited to see my face out there. And and Nap, is it too late to grab one? No, we're going to keep this drive going. We have a huge um, email going out tomorrow, Billy. We'll have, you know, opening night for uh, basketball next Wednesday. We turn them around in one to two days. So if you put your order in this over this weekend, uh, you can go right on friars.com, you know, sign up to do it. It's a home run, Billy. I think, as you said, it's a great thing to, you know, be able to look at the games and see your cardboard cutout is um, they look really cool. Absolutely. If you're anywhere near a fan of the team, 
and you can't be there physically. You might as well be there on a piece of cardboard. So I'm no, I'm very excited to see myself out there. And guys, it's not too late. If you can go out there and grab and support Friar Athletics, it goes to a great cause and it goes to a community we all get behind. So keeping on the topic of um, season ticket incentives and corporate sponsorship, are there any updates that you have to share for the season ticket community during these times? You know, there's some been some recent emails that have been sent out that I'd love to share with others. And if you have any inside information, let us know. Yeah, I mean, we're working directly with every single season ticket holder, you know, the ticket office staff of, you know, Andrew, Bree, Shakia, Spencer, Aaron, Tim, Steve, you know, we're, we're trying to make sure we have a personal contact with every single season ticket holder. And, and Billy, we gave them three options. You know, our number one option is we want you to roll over your, your season tickets for next year. This way you have them. If you paid, it'll be a full credit towards next year. You know, obviously some of our season ticket holders are able to donate their season tickets directly to the sport that they're supporting. That helps us support those programs. And we know people are struggling out there. So we did offer a refund. Obviously, most of our people did take one and two, which we're grateful for. But, you know, we're, we know that we were during these difficult times that people, you know, might have lost their job. They might have issues going on, Billy. So we did, a, you know, offer a refund if that'll help them out. And, and that's awesome. No, it's definitely appreciated. I'm going to be rolling my credit over to next year because I'm super excited already for next season. And no, I just appreciate the communication that you guys have put out there and, you know, keeping us all in, in, in the know during these times where things just change every day. So as you've seen, Billy, we've done some creative things too: the Halloween shirts, the Thanksgiving shirts. We're going to have some awesome Christmas shirts coming out in the next few days that I think uh, every Friar fan will go crazy for. We're going to be doing some Zooms with Coach Lehman, Coach Cooley, Coach Crowley together just as a little Christmas as the seasons get going. Uh, We're going to do some nice, um, you know, things with Santa for our kids club. So definitely going to do things to keep the fans engaged, give them a window to behind the scenes um, and just know that we're there for our Friar fans. Love it. And I was the kid who only asked for Friar basketball tickets for Christmas. So I'm sure there are going to be some kids out there who are going to be looking forward to the work you do with Santa. And you guys do some great work on the charitable front, specifically with Make-A-Wish. I'd love for you to kind of tap into that for a second to let our listeners know what you guys have done. Yeah, it's a wish come true. So I got to correct you on that one, Billy. I know there's a lot of charities on that, but it's uh, <laughs> it's um, something that is actually was really, you know, close to my heart. When I was 12, my cousin um, was diagnosed uh, with cancer and I saw a wish come true, come to his house and send his whole family to Disney World. So it was, I thought it was the coolest thing when a family's going through such a tough time, Billy, is, you know, they take them out of that element and get them to have fun together, create memories. And unfortunately, you know, even when Sometimes the kids don't make it. The family still has those memories forever that are, that are so, you know, for every game the last 10 years, we've we've had hosted a wish family at a basketball game, brought them in the locker room. Coach Cooley and the players are amazing. I mean, the pictures that we do, um, you know, it's 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 great. It's been great synergy. Uh, one of our head board of trustees, Colleen Duffy, is now the president of it. So great synergy between Providence College and uh, A Wish Come True. And Coach Cooley loves it. He's great with the kids and definitely making memories for uh, these children and their families who are going through a real difficult time. So it's uh, it's been a home run. And, you know, Providence College has a special power and we want to use it to make sure we're making a difference. I think you saw we did that with the Nat, the food bank, Billy. We continue to do that through this. You know, when we did that T-shirt, when the pandemic first started, Billy, those prior t-shirts we wrote a check to the rhode island food bank for forty six thousand dollars just from those sales incredible and i mean he said that you know i bought eight mac trucks of food for the community we did the same with the um 
the T-shirts we just sold for Halloween and Thanksgiving. And now, um, you know, we're going to be doing the Christmas T-shirts. Half of the proceeds will go to helping buy gifts for kids in need in the Providence area. So uh, hopefully help help and make some special Christmases for families who might struggle to do it on their own. That's absolutely incredible. And I'm so glad that you touched on that because, you know, our 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 involvement in the community is so, so important. My parents grew up in Providence, my mom from Federal Hill, my dad from Charles Street. And, you know, there's some areas, especially in Smithville, that could use some assistance and there are people in need. And it's glad to see the PCs stepping up and taking the call on that. So I big kudos to you guys on that. And you brought up Ed in, in what you said last, Steve. And, and honestly, I know that you have a great relationship with them. I know that you've been on some great trips with them and, you know, we're always there right behind the bench, rooting them on, rooting the team on. Can you talk a little bit about your relationship with Ed? Yeah, you know, I'm grateful to Coach Cooley for what he's done for the program and Providence College as a whole. Um, If you can remember when he came in, we were probably at our lowest point uh, in my professional career of where the program and where we were nationally as as a team. And to see where he's built it, to see the moments he's given us as as fans, as a college and as an ambassador, mostly for every Friar alum, every faculty staff member and season ticket holder is he's just a great representative in the sense of Friar pride, building community and really trying to make a difference of making PC a national brand. And, and what I love right now, I can tell every Friar fan is we're not satisfied what we've done. Listen, we got to get a lot bigger things done. And I think that's, that's what you know, broke my heart last year, Billy, is being around a team over the last 15 years, leaving the locker room. There was never more confident team than that PC basketball team. That last month, those kids didn't think they were ever going to lose a game. And and that can't take away from those kids. Our fans and Coach Cooley is, um, it's, um, it's, it's, it's not right, but it's small compared to what everybody else is going in the world. But it also drives us to know we can do it. Um, and it's a great reminder to every one of us, myself included, that even if you start off tough, even if you have bad games, because Billy, last year, I could promise you there were people jumping off the bus on Coach Cooley at the beginning of that season. And when we played Florida down in Jersey, we had some tough moments. But to see the turnaround and people galvanize and that team gel was uh, was truly remarkable. It really was. Yeah, I was at that Florida game, and it was certainly ugly. And I remember you know, texting with good friends of mine who've been fans for years after the College of Charlestown game, Long Beach State, and they're like, oh, you know, the season's lost. It's like, guys, the Big East is where your resume is made. You're playing against ranked teams every night. And we pulled off five straight wins against five ranked opponents. It only been done five times in history. And the team ended up 12 and six in conference, which was absolutely amazing. It's something that in my childhood, I never saw the team do. We were always, you know, towards towards the bottom, unfortunately, in Big East play. So I I, I have seen the value that Ed Cooley has brought since day one, both as a coach on the basketball court and off the court too, being being from the community. And I think about this current team, when I think about them, I think about David Duke being from Providence, you know, what it means to be from Rhode Island and commit to PC, to stay home, to put that pressure on your back. And he's really looking to be the leader this year. Mind just sharing with us what you think about his story and, you know, what he's going to be lined up for this season? Yeah, I mean, I I absolutely love him. So it's 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 a little. I'm probably biased. Billy is, um, you know, if you look at his story and you you look at Ed, you look, you know, I always tell Ed is, you know, when he's, you know, people say, oh, he might leave for this job or that job. You know, the Ed Cooley story is is the Providence College story. You know, it works here. 
I always say, you know, Ed Cooley's story at, at South Carolina is going to have the same feel to it, you know. And right. when you look at David Duke's story, Billy, you see a kid who grew up right, you know, straight down from the campus. You know, he, he looks like an NBA player, just a great kid, great family. I always, I laugh because, you know, when he was getting recruited, I sat in on one of his recruiting pitches and we put all this marketing material together, Billy, with billboards we were going to do. And I had my marketing team. He didn't flinch. Like, it was like, I, I left that saying, oh my goodness, I don't know if this is going right. He was, he was getting heavily recruited by Virginia Tech at the same time. And, um, but Billy, I mean, sky's the limit for him from who he is, his talent, how hard he works, you know, how much the sport he has from his family, the relationship he has with Ed. And he truly loves Providence College. He wants to take us to the next level because, you know, people always say, well, what's the goal? The goal is really to get to a Sweet 16, a lead eight, a Final Four, and win, win this whole thing. Is it easy? Not a chance. But I think we got the players, the coach, and the infrastructure to, to make a good run at it. Well, if somebody would have told me that a local kid like David Duke or even Ricky Lito, I went to Hendrickson with him, and then he went, uh, was able to come over to PC for a little bit. A.J. Reeves, you know, Bryson Godine, like New Bedford, Boston, Massachusetts. Th- these were the type of recruits we were losing in the old Big East. And I'm thankful to have them. And I think we're ready to make a big run as well. Segways perfectly. The 2020-2021 Friars, what do we think? H- how far do you think we can go? And what do you think this team's capable of? You know, obviously with everything going on, Billy, is this, it, there's going to be a lot of challenges holistically when you look at everything is I think first of all we got to stay healthy we got to do everything we can to make sure the kids stay healthy obviously um, through COVID through injuries through you know keeping I, I think the biggest challenge Billy think about it for anyone is you know mentally just staying positive and getting through this in such a different challenging and difficult time but I think when you look at the talent of the team Billy is Ed's built a really good team he's really used the transfer market uh, to our advantage, you know, Ed from LaSalle is, I mean, he's a big man, Billy. When you see him in person, you're going to be, whoa. You know, Bryson, like you said, from Syracuse is a kid who, you know, had a year in ACC play and now he can come in and, you know, he's going to be another. And, I, and you know, my biggest thing, the players we had is you talk about A.J. Reeves and David Duke and Nate Watson going into a senior year is like, you have these players who are, who are ready to take their next steps too. Where's that lead? I always like to side on the question of, you know, sell low and deliver high, Billy. So, but I'm optimistically positive that um, we can do some special things if, uh, you know, everything falls into place. I mean, the stars can definitely align for this team. We're, we're going to be as deep as I think we've ever been. On episode one, I actually talked about that with John Rook, and he said we could go up to 13 deep, which is crazy to think about. There was a team a couple of years back where we were trotting out walk-ons, you know, where we had five, six guys. Remember, we played Penn State. We only had like seven guys. So I'm well, very- We won the Big East tournament realistically with six, seven guys. You know, Bryce Cotton played, you know, average, what, 41 minutes a game. So it's a, yeah, it's definitely a different, um, you know, and that, that creates challenges for Ed too, keeping people happy, Billy, when you have that many people. So there's a lot of dynamics to that also, but uh, you definitely want that problem more than having a short bench. Absolutely. And we touched briefly upon alumni hall and the team's going to be playing games out of alumni hall this year. What do you think the setup's going to be like? And, you know, unfortunately there won't be fans, but you know, are you excited to see the team play on campus? Yeah, it was just down there, Bill. You know, we brought up all the video boards that were on the court from the dunk. So that'll give it that feel for the fans on campus. You got the cardboard cutouts. We're doing some unique things for our corporate sponsors. You know, the benches, obviously, we 
doing the same thing the NBA did down in the bubble is you'll see huge platforms behind the bench for the kids to be on both teams to be really spread out. It's, it's going to be really different, Billy. It's going to be a, a little adjustment time, but I think what we all need is once we get back to the game and like, um, Billy, for me, is even like you talk about the baseball season. Some people say, I couldn't watch it off fans. I loved it, you know, because it gave me a chance to, to watch a game I love and uh, to be able to watch PC basketball, PC hockey is to have it is much better than not to have it at all. So is we're going to try to make uh, everything we can to, to be the best thing it can without fans. There's nothing you can do to duplicate that, Billy. There's nothing you can even remotely make it where it's 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 as special as when you, you're at the dunk plane and a sold out crowd. But I know as a Friar fan, as a as a member of the uh, the team and the staff, is uh, PC people be happy when they turn on that TV next week and are able to watch their Friars. Well, you got me excited, and I was already excited to begin with. So I'm I'm very much looking forward to next week, as I know a lot of people are out there are and some final thoughts here just to just to conclude with nap i know you've worked plenty of game nights at the dunks before and you've seen how special it can be even on a tuesday night i remember going to a game against x or xavier a couple you know a couple years back i remember it was rocking on a tuesday night i think that's the perfect example of what the dunkin donut center is do you think that we truly have the best home court advantage in all of college basketball you know is 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 i'm really appreciative and proud of what the dunk and the fans have become is um billy i remember that game like it was yesterday i remember you know you worked so hard over a time period is you know people forget before red that year before red our season ticket base had gone down to almost less than 2500 which you know was the lowest ever and now we're we're reaching towards 8000 season ticket holders billy uh you know with our students and you know to walk in that building i can remember it was a nine o'clock start billy and the place people were you know, had gone eating and drinking and were ready for our student crowd was just completely insane. And uh, it's just, you know, we, I talk to my counterparts every day and, you know, they, they always say come in here, they, 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 they don't like it. And that's a good thing because the place is so out of control. So um, I love it. I love uh, what it means to the community. I love what it means to the state. I love what it means to the city. And I love, the passion Friar fans have. I absolutely, it gets me. Somebody asked me this morning, Billy, what's my biggest challenge is the games are my chocolate is like, that's what, that's what I live for. And, and not being able to, you know, high five, you know, hug people and, you know, walk around the dunk and see their enjoyment and their passion. And um, I have to, I have to do that to myself. Like you have to do is just find how you're going to get yourself fired up. And, you know, at the end of the day, we do this for the student athletes. So as long as they're playing, they're healthy, they're getting to, to live their dream. Um, and we're playing the games where we're, we're doing good in a difficult time right now. Absolutely. And we here at Friartown appreciate what you do on a nightly basis. Like I love, you know, having you come by on a game night and say hi. It really just makes the experience what it is. And it makes Friartown the family that we all know it to be. And Nap, I can't thank you enough for being here on episode two of the Friar podcast. You know, happy to call you a friend. You're one of the best in the business. You make Friartown as great as it is. And, you know, I wish you and your family an awesome Thanksgiving. And we would appreciate having you out here on the show. Hey, Billy, I wish you nothing but success. I appreciate your kind words, but I, I just want to end off. I really want every Friar fan, no matter age, no matter race, no matter religion, we are blessed to have great fans uh, throughout Friartown, Billy. And uh, we don't take it for granted one day. We really don't because without them, you know, it's just a game. But our student athletes, our coaches, our administrators, our president, and, you know, we're excited, Billy, too. You know, we have a new president now and, you know, he, he wants to support us. Our CFO, John Sweeney, is great. We have great support. 
So everybody should be really excited. Is uh, when we come out of this, Billy, PC is going to be stronger than it ever has been. The future is extremely bright. But you said it well. I, I, I'm grateful. I'm thankful, and I wish every every Friar fan and family a great, safe, happy, healthy Thanksgiving and a great Christmas season. Love it, Matt. Thank you so much, and go Friars. Go Friars. Thanks, Billy. Take care. All right, everybody, we'd like to thank all you Friar Podcast listeners out there for listening to Episode 2, featuring Senior Associate Athletic Director of PC Athletics, Steve Napolillo. Next week, we'll be joined by NBA trainer and Friar fan, Rob McClanahan, who has worked with the likes of Steph Curry, Kevin Love, Derek Rose, Kevin Durant, and Russell Westbrook. Until then, enjoy the Dayton game, and go Friars!